Hi everyone, Daniel Ramsey here, the CEO of My Outdesk and the host of Scale the Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to having conversations that unlock the exact formula and strategies multi-million and billion dollar companies use to scale their business. You can visit me on our website at scalethepodcast.com or listen to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Hey everyone, Daniel Ramsey here with My Outdesk. I'm really excited. Today's going to be a kind of a, we've got somebody who's a big deal, Steve Murray from Real Trends. So I'm excited for that. Before we get going, if you're here live, just go ahead and type in where you're from and what it feels like outside. What's your temperature? Freezing, cold, hot, just, just let us know. Say hello. We're also, uh, Steve is going to take a lot of questions at the end of this. So if you're live here with us today, we've got the brain and uh, this guy is gonna just kind of share everything he knows. If you're here with us, it's likely that you're a My Outdesk client and what we do is we help companies, real estate companies, instantly scale with high class, high quality talent. That's how we help people. So we're getting some, we got Sandy from Manhattan, it is freezing. Uh, Michael, New York. We got a lot of New York people. Milwaukee, there we go. Those guys are good. Steve, hey, thanks for joining us today. Yes, thanks for having me on. So we're going to talk about a lot of cool things, guys. If you're here, we're going to talk about the market. We're going to talk about different real estate models. Um, and really, we're just going to really dive into valuations. And there's, there's, there's just nobody that knows how to value a real estate practice like Steve does. And so you know, thanks for joining us today, man. Thanks for yep. you know, just pouring on us. Let's get started. I mean, everybody wants to know, what does Steve think about the market? Where, where are we right now if we're a real estate practitioner? Housing market declined last year. Nine of the 12 months housing sales were down the same month from the year before. January was down again from last January. Yep. I did notice that the pending index is up. Uh, they are reported, so maybe the spring will come back. Mortgage rates have backed off, lack of demand for money. Yep. So we, we expect this year the surprise would be if the surprise would be if we actually have an increase in housing sales this year. Yeah. Most people think at best we'll be flat this year with last year. Okay, cool. Yep. You know, for our audience, we were talking about this. Uh, you started your career 42 years ago. Tell, right. tell us a yep. little bit, like, what's the beginning story of Steve Murray? Well, I would, I, I, I'd moved to Atlanta after college. I was with ADP and Procter and & Gamble, and a friend uh, from where I grew up moved to Atlanta and hired me into the relocation management business. There you so go. 42 years ago, I was a property manager out of Atlanta, Georgia, handling corporate homes in I think eight southeastern states and so I did that for a little over a year and then was original a franchise salesman for the original Better Homes and Gardens. Nice. Um, and from there I got hired to run a referral network and started Real Trends in 1986. Okay so tell us about Real Trends like what do you guys do who do you serve um, and you, you're kind of the authority in kind of valuing real estate practices. Everybody hires you to do that. But talk a little bit about Real Trends. How do you guys serve the real estate community right now? Well, Real Trends, we have, you know, we do research and publications. 
We rank the top brokerage companies in the country. We, we are the, the official ranking company for agents and teams. At Got least it. we're the only ones that actually have to, ver you have to verify the information. And you have to do certain minimum levels. It's not just, oh, you're a top five agent. We don't do that stuff. You can't pay to, you can't pay to get ranked. Got so it. We rank eight, we do, we have uh, 54,000 various readers of our publications daily, weekly, monthly, yeah. white papers, research on the brokerage industry. We have conferences for the owners and operators of brokerage companies. Okay. Um, and then we do consulting and, and a lot of the consulting is targeted at residential brokerage companies primarily, yeah. almost all of it. And we do merger acquisition valuation and general strategic planning and business planning for companies. There you go. Well, yeah. what's, what's cool is we were talking earlier and you said that every real estate company should focus on three things. So I, right. I, and, and it's cool because we've got kind of a softening market and I'm like, and I asked the question like, how do I make more money or what do I do in a shifting market? And you're like, none of that matters. And then you drop some knowledge. Like, so what are the things that as a real estate person I should be focusing on? Well, if you're a brokerage company, you're not going to be in business much longer if you don't recruit talent and then develop that talent, increase productivity and spend less money than you have coming in. If you're trying to operate a team, yeah, your priority should be, my database and building my lead system. Number two is to make sure I got the right people and systems to convert those leads. And again, try to spend less money than you have coming in. And if, because in this kind of a flat market or a declining market, if all you're doing is treading water, you're losing ground. Right. Right. This is a time when generally the best operators take market share. <laughs> because they don't want to have a shrinking business. Which, right. Well, in this market, if you're, if you want to grow, then that means you're taking share, but you're not going to have that happen unless you're focused on the basics. And if you get distracted by, you know, all the conferences and all the yak yak about tech and all the yak yak about what Zillow's doing and you worry yourself to death and get distracted, you're going to lose ground. Right. So talk to me, uh, you know, it's kind of curious. I want to dive deep. I get recruiting um, agents. Yep. Um, tell, tell us like the best systems you've seen. Cause one thing that you, that's unique about you is that you get a look inside of every brokerage that you yeah. do these consulting things. And so you've seen the right way to recruit the right way to develop. Talk, talk to us about like what systems have to be in place on the recruitment side. You know, you, first you have to know who you are as a company. Who, what, what's our culture? What do we stand for? What's our commission plan? What's our model? Are we a luxury brokerage? Or are we not? And you have, to, you have to really define that. And then you have to use available data, yes. which your MLS system or broker metrics or trend graphics or real data or somebody. You, you try to identify those kind of agents that are with other companies that look like you or that your agents have told you, Hey, Bob's a great agent. I think he'd fit well here. Yeah. You all those resources. And then you focus intently on your database. If you own a brokerage or you manage an office, you focus on that's your database. Got it. And you should be reaching out to those people and seeing, and it won't work if you don't see them in person. 
direct mail and email and text recruiting does not work. No. You have to do it in person. And, 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 and again, with the team, it's the same kind of functions. How are you going to stay in touch with those potential clients and customers? What methods are you going to use? How frequently are you going to do it? What's your messaging? You know, how are you going to get in front of people? What about the develop? You said develop. And develop talent. Yeah. T- talk to me. I mean, for, how a bro- for a brokerage, everybody, a lot of people knows how to recruit and recruit people in. What do you do once you get them? Do you help them develop their skills? Right. You know, as Ninja Larry Kendall would say, are you, do you have a plan for developing their mindset and their skill set? Do you give them a path and then hold them accountable or guide them into the steps so they can be successful? Are you investing any time in that? Yeah. Because if you're not, who are you kidding? Right. You're just, you're just putting bodies in the seats. Yeah. I love and, it. And, 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 and you, that's developing. And by the way, that may mean to in development is you need to have a transaction management system, or it may be you have a, a great website and maybe you have a mobile app. You have tools that help them become productive. Yeah. A lot of brokers are now, and, and this is just for everybody listening. A lot of brokers are actually hiring our people to give them to their agents as like right. a retention development right. tool because yeah. As salespeople, we only, you and I only want to talk. I don't want to do paperwork and I don't want to, you know, do anything but do a face-to-face like this. And so brokerages are now coming around to, they have to actually serve their agent population and we're we're an easy button for that. We've got a question, Bruce, my man. Okay. So here's, here's an interesting question for you. Um, how to value a business and sell in what form? So per month, so much upfront percentage of commission over the years, by the way, my gross. Okay. So I, th- I think, I think they want to get to valuation now. I yes, they do. There's a couple, I mean, I love that. Uh, so let's talk. I mean, how do you value and, and everybody who's listening, um, if you, if you register, we've got a landing page, we're going to drop it right here. Steve has given, he's given us years of data on what your net profit should look like, cost of goods, gross margins, like what company dollars should be. And so he's given us a ton of data and it's just a free gift. And thanks Steve for doing that. Um, So if you register, you'll get that and you can kind of look at yours compared to everyone else's. But let's talk about valuation. How do you value a real estate practice? The the value of a real estate brokerage business or a, a, a team practice is based on how much profit it produces. Okay. End of story. Now, <laughs> you, you, people say goodwill, I have a great brand name. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've sold 760 brokerage companies in 32 years. 98% of them we changed the name. Okay. When we acquired it. So what was the value of the seller's name when every buyer changes the name? Right. And we don't lose business because we change a name. No. We don't. Hey, everybody. Daniel Ramsey here, and I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer to take action and start scaling your business right now. You know 
I get a lot of questions about how to grow your business, generate more revenue, and reduce expenses. And the answer is simple. It's My Outdesk Virtual Assistants. My Outdesk offers five-star virtual assistant services to thousands of business professionals across the United States and making our clients over $100 million in net revenue every year. Our customers absolutely love our virtual assistants. And I wanna give you the opportunity to learn exactly why. Simply text the word MOD, MOD, to 31996, and we're going to give you a free double my business strategy call where you work one-on-one -on -one with one of our business growth specialists to design an action strategy for growth and cost savings in your business. We're gonna give you over 20 growth and strategy guides, a market force personality indicator, an important business checklist, and hiring guides. My Outdesk admins can help manage your office, your sales, your marketing pipeline, and even help you lead generate and follow up. And during this call, you'll learn exactly how you can put them into your business right now. So again, text MOD to 31996 and get a free double my business strategy call right now and learn how My Outdesk can transform your business today. So it's, it's, it's net income or profit. We use the term EBITDA, E-B-I-T-D-A, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Now, I don't want to get technical. Let's not waste time. It's how much cash did your business produce? And then we look at a multiple. Wait, 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 Steve. Yeah. I, I pay myself a $300,000 salary and I lease my car and my right. card for my house, so I might go on trips and write it off. What do you right. do? I mean, how well, does that- what you do, again, I don't want to get, we don't have three hours, so I'm not going to get real technical, but you would add personal expenses or stuff paid to the owner, you add that to EBITDA. Okay. But then you deduct the cost of what it would cost to replace you as the owner manager, the services you provided your company, add back what you paid yourself, cars, autos, everything. But then you have to deduct, okay, if I got to hire someone to do what I did, how much does that cost? Right. And we get to this, what we call adjusted EBITDA. Yep. Making those kind of adjustments. We also adjust for non-recurring expenses, and but we won't go into all that right now. You look at that EBITDA, and you put a multiple on it. And this is where everybody gets, oh, what's the multiple? Everybody wants to know the multiple. Yeah. So multiple for brokerage companies and uh, brokerage companies can range today from two to about five and a half. Okay. Okay. And you, well, geez, that's a big range. And it is. Uh, two would be, for instance, Small brokerage, small metropolitan area, no growth. Right. Just, just there. Yep. Uh, five and a half would be large brokerage, probably independent brokerage mm -hmm. in a large metro. And that, that kind of gives you the two stakes. And I'm guessing the here, five and a half is here. 
there are very few five and a halfs. Very few. Very few. The the sweet spot right now is between three and four. Okay. And we talked a little bit about the market shifting for yep. something because of what's happening. And uh, so talk about that a little bit. Right. About selling, like what what are the things that are happening right now well, in the market? For 20 years leading up to a year ago, yep. we had two big companies buying brokerage companies as fast as they could buy them. Rilogy and Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. Yep. Now there were some other regional companies buying, but those two guys drove the market. Yeah. They paid the highest prices and the best terms. Sure. Rilogy dropped out a year ago, January. They're not buying brokerages anymore. Yep. That meant that gave Holmes Berkshire Hathaway the right to, well, now I don't have that kind of competition. So they backed up a little bit. Right. They lowered a little bit. Then you had housing sales start to go down. Yep. So then Berkshire Hathaway said, well, we're not going to keep paying high prices in a down market. Right. And everybody has followed that down. Okay. All the buyers out there generally are well below 20 or 30% below what they would have paid 18 months ago. They're off 20 to 30% today. That's, that's crazy. Uh, we've got a question. It's one of my favorite questions. Ryan uh, Solberg asks, how can I hire an assistant to grow my business? Steve, I'm going to actually ask you to you know, talk about that. Um, and then I'll, I'll follow up how we help people. Well, I mean, my, you know, my best answer to that is pretty simple. Uh, and I think you've said it, Daniel, and I think every expert who knows, really knows what they're talking about has said, and I practiced it here. I finally had to give up doing $20 an hour work because I'm a thousand dollar an hour guy. That's right. And, and so it, we, when we did the first time I hired a non-revenue producing person at our company was about five years ago. There you go. Five years ago. And within three years of doing that, we doubled the size of our company because I wasn't doing $20 an hour stuff anymore. That's right. I love I, it. It's the simplest thing I can tell people, not to mention, uh, pardon me, not to mention you, you then as a leader, owner of your practice, your business, and this same true of a broker owner. Yep. Look at what you're doing and you say, well, I don't want to add overhead. How much of your time, really look at your time, are you spending in, in those priorities that, that grow your business, recruit agents or develop agents or focus of your team, lead gen, building your database, when, when are you going to realize that you're, where is your time best spent and can I get somebody to do the other stuff? Well, you know, okay, so I love, we do this thing, um, it's called the sticky challenge. So if you're listening right now, you need to go to myoutdesk.com forward slash real trends and download Steve's multi-year kind of report because it's a big deal. But Steve, you'll like this because anybody can do it. Um, we call it the sticky challenge and you just follow yourself around all day. And then you write down, did I talk to a, a client or did I talk to a potential agent that I'm recruiting? Right. Yep, I did, one hour, and that's dollar productive. And that's the most important stuff. And right. about the three priorities, like if you just follow yourself around and you find out how much of your day 
is spent on doing admin tasks or surfing Facebook or, I mean, it's insane. I mean, most people, when they come through and do a consultation with us, we find that they're spending 70% of their day on stuff that just doesn't matter. Yeah. And then their business valuation is going down. Right. And so we just help people focus on their priority, leverage what isn't in your unique skill set. And then, and then your business just grows. Right. I mean, that, that, I mean, right. we call it, we call it a double my business strategy call. So Steve, right. your, your right. world is exactly that. Same, it's, same thing for a guy running a consulting publishing company. You have to, you have to keep three priorities. If you have more than three priorities, you have no priorities at all. I love so that. You say, what am I going to focus on today? And you know, 80% of my world is client work. Right. Is, is pretty much client work. Maybe it's 70 and another uh, 15% is researching and reading and writing because mm -hmm. I do a lot of writing and podcasting for our company. The right. other 15% is working with our team of 12, 12 people here at Real Trends, making sure we're all staying on task, that we're on our calendars, that we're accountable. We have leadership meetings once a month to review the month. How did we do? We have impromptu meetings. We have a lot of meetings that there's no chairs allowed. We don't sit down. It's a quick, we're standing. We need to resolve an issue. Let's stand. Let's not take a lot of time. Let's decision, get everybody on the in board and get it done and move on. Yeah. And we assign somebody to say, email everyone, confirm what we just agreed to. And let's get, let's move beyond this. I love it. Anyway, so back to valuation. So I talked about how you value a company. And yeah. one part of it is the price, which I just talked about. Yeah. There's, we could do, do an hour on the things that might affect it, but that's generally what I told everybody that's true. Then there's the terms. Okay. So how is the price paid? Right. There's no such thing as all cash at fair market value in our industry. It nope. does not happen. Uh, or it happens so infrequently that I can say it doesn't happen. <laughs> and whether it's a team or a brokerage, these days generally, let's say cash down, is 25, 20 or 25% to 40 to 50%. Okay. And the rest will be based on the future three years performance of the team or the brokerage. Right. And if that team or brokerage replicates its past 12 months performance for the next three years, the seller will get all their money. Right. It's that simple. Right. So if you're thinking about selling a practice, whether it's a team or a brokerage, don't call me a month before you want to retire. <laughs> you, got, you have to plan at least a year and sometimes a little bit longer to be around, maybe not full-time active, but be around mm -hmm. for at least a year, if not a little bit longer, if you want to maximize your price. Yep. Okay. So we're going to start taking questions. We yep. only got a little bit more time with Steve. Yep. I want to respect his time. He's yep. be worth a thousand dollars an hour. So this guy is brilliant and bright. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about model because uh, I think it's interesting what's happening and you're in the middle of it. We've got the flat free fee discount brokers. We've got the online models. We have an emerging tech models. 
you know, where there's no office. Uh, and so there's all these models out there. Right. Talk, like help people understand as a brokerage, as an agent, like what should they be moving towards if they're growing their own practice? We, we have, we, um, we have said this before, but they we're, we're evolving into what we'll call a bipolar industry. Mm-hmm. You're going to have on one end, you're going to have Walmarts. Yep. Let's call them EXP. Okay. Or Realty One Group or HomeSmart or Benchmark or Signature. I could go on and on. Right. $300 a transaction, $100 a month, very low cost to agents, not a ton of support, large offices, if any offices, EXP, 16000 hour cap, office where you want. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of infrastructure in terms of personnel to support your practice. Right. Your team. You got to kind of, you know, they have online webinar, they have stuff, but nobody to kind of network with in an office. No, none of that. So you got, you got the Walmarts and the, the Walmart target over here. And then over here, you're going to end up with a few Tiffany Nordstrom's type companies. Yes. That are, that are um, by Sotheby's. There's a number of great Sotheby's companies. That's a great brand. It's a great brand. And they tend to be a little bit more premium price in favor of the broker because that's a great luxury brand. It's a really good one. Engel and Volkers is trying to establish that, that type of brand. You have niche companies that are special specialists in luxury homes or in new homes or in REOs. I yep. met with a, a Remax company at R4 last week. They're doing a ton of REOs. I didn't realize there were still a whole lot of REOs out there, but they are. They have a broad swath of territory in New England where they're the Fannie and Freddie approved guys, and they do such a good job, they keep getting more business. They're doing hundreds of deals a year, and they're great at REO business. Right. And so they'll be, they're not just all high price, but they're specialty. Yep. Specialty. In between, no fun. Get out. No fun. You either go this way or you go that way. Okay. And what we tell people is, how's, how's being in the middle working out for Sears and J.C. Penney's and Kohl's and Borders and Toys R Us? And they got caught in the middle. Right. And they couldn't, they couldn't compete on the, with low costs of Amazon and Walmart and those guys. Yep. And they're not really specialty because you could find all the Toys R Us toys in Walmart and Sam's Club and Costco and, and other places. Sure. Or Amazon, just go online and order them. Right. You don't have to worry about whether they're in stock or not. Or go to Target for them. Right? Yep. I mean, so they got caught. They got caught in the middle. Don't get caught in the middle. We have told brokerage companies who are in kind of that middle area, if you intend to compete and be healthy three to five years from now, you need to plan on a gross margin, a company dollar percent of about 12%. Okay. I don't care where you are now. You need to write a business plan for how you're going to compete there or you're going to shrink your footprint and you're going to become a specialty company. Yeah. Like another great specialty company right now, we, there's two that come to mind. One national is Compass. Right. 
they are typically buying only top producing high-end agents. They're creating a specialty company. Not perfectly, but that's what they're, that's what they're aiming to do. And they're right. only going to be in, you know, 20 major metros. Right. With a few add-ons like Aspen, you know, and markets like that. Sure. But then you've got a company uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado called the Group Inc. And the Group Inc., they only, mostly only hire brand new people. Mm. Because they have a system, a real system, for taking a brand new person, which they select carefully, and they put them through three, six, nine, 12 months, and they know if they do the work and they're held accountable and they're coached properly, they'll be doing a six-figure gross income in 12 months. Right. And they go, people, well, how do they know that? We've been doing it for 40 years. Yeah. We know what works. I love it. We've got a couple of uh, comments here. We've got yeah. Gloria says great stuff. And she says, thank you, Steve. Uh, You're welcome, Gloria. Yeah. And then Stuart from Happy Grasshoppers here. So what's up, dude? Um, hey. We have a question. Um, Mike DeRosa, um, I know this guy. Um, he asked, you know, EXP is operating at a loss with 17,000 agents. Um, and and they're basically removing the responsibility from the brokers, which is why brokers are moving over there. Um, how does that impact the sale of brokerages in, you know, compared to previous methods? Like well, you know, you and I chatted before we went live. The, the, the valuation of brokerage companies, um, as I said earlier, has declined. Right. And we have fewer buyers, fewer large buyers, that are willing to buy into a housing market that's kind of soft yep. and also buy into a brokerage market where the gross margin and profit margins are under pressure. That's right. I mean, there's a little hesitancy to go in and buy a brokerage that's at an 18% gross margin when all around that company, everybody else is 12. Right. So is EXP and Compass and HomeSmart Realty One Group affecting valuations? Absolutely they are. Right. Absolutely they are. They're, and they're affecting the economics of their competitors. Right. So, you know, the key is, but, you know, so, but it's like HomeSmart, you know, they're a big player now and they're getting larger. Uh, they came up to Denver a few years ago and they paid a very handsome price for the largest HomeSmart-like company in Denver. Mm-hmm. Now, and I like, I like the gentleman's, is it Mike DeRosa? Yeah. Yeah, EXP is losing money. The bigger they get so far, the more money they're losing. Right. They can get away with that for a while. Same thing with Compass. Same thing with Zillow. For a while, Wall Street will let you get away with that. But mm -hmm. sooner or later, you, you've got to prove you've got a plan to get to profitability. Not only that, that your model will increase its profitability the, the more scale you get. Right. The jury's out. Clearly the jury's got to be out right now on EXP and Compass. It might be out on Redfin, but my personal view is they have a substantial business process, a substantial online process, and pretty good metrics of what it costs for them to get a closed customer. Okay. And I think they will figure out in the in not too distant future, 
how to get to profitability and then really how to push that profitability up. I think they, I, I know how they know how they can get there. And I, I think I see how they're going to get there. I don't know how XP is going to get there yet. And I don't know, I don't know enough about Compass's internal financials, although I can model them. Right. I can model them. I don't know for sure how they get there. We're in a time where Wall Street and Silicon Valley still have this absolute like brain cloud going on that they're going to be able to disrupt the relationship between agents and consumers. Right. E even though our own, every four years we hire one of the world's best research firms, Harris Insights, do a consumer study, recent buyers and sellers. The percentage of buyers and sellers that use an agent last summer was the highest it's been since we started doing this 17 years ago. Right. So all this tech isn't causing buyers and sellers to not use agents. Right. We already know that. Right. We also know that how they find an agent still roughly two thirds. It's well, I know one or somebody referred me. Right. That hasn't changed in 35 years. Why, why hasn't that changed? I'm just kind of curious because a lot of people think that, there's some major shift or disruption happening in the real estate world. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, here it is. Buying or selling a home first is infrequent. This isn't yeah. buying a bottle of wine or booking a hotel or using Uber. Yeah. This is like every six, eight, nine, ten 10 years for most people. Number two, it's highly complex and getting worse. Yep. And lastly, there's an interesting thing about Americans. Collectively, Americans are pretty smart shoppers. <laughs> oh, yeah? Not in, individually, we all get stupid now and then, but collectively, <laughs> we're pretty smart. But yeah. what we know as human beings is we will do anything to avoid pain. Sure. It's the number one motivating thing, emotion for people is avoidance of pain. Right. Americans understand, since it's infrequent and highly complex, if I screw up the purchase or sale of a home, it could wreck me for a long time. Yeah. This is not a bad bottle of wine or a bad Airbnb experience. I'll survive that. Mm. You, may, you may financially get crippled. You may end up in the wrong neighborhood for your wife and kids. Right or your husband or your partner. And it, it just, it can be bloody awful. And there you are. Sure. There you are. So that's, that's why they still rely on agents. And most Americans want to deal with somebody they know. Right. I love it. All yeah. right. Well, we're, we're about to wrap up, yeah. man. We're going to be yep. done in just a minute. We yep. talked model, we talked valuation, we talked market, who's buying, who's not. Um, what what's your advice for like folks who are considering building a business? The other so I'm talking to a broker um, and he's got a large I'm like a, with a B kind of broker and yeah. um, he wants to sell and he's like, look, they're offering me three x my net profit and if I just hold on to it for you know the next three years, I'm gonna get that back. So it's like, why would I sell? And like, so what's your advice for somebody in that space that is considering selling? What should they do, and what are the considerations? Well, first, first, you need to ask yourself the question: Why are you thinking about selling? Are you tired of the responsibility of running the company? Are you tired of having the liabilities, having your names on leases and contracts all over the place? Yes. 
if you are, then just saying, well, I just keep this for another three years, I get the same money. Well, that's true. But, you know, oh, by the way, you have the liability that the business won't do as well in the next three years. Right. It might get better, it might get worse. So you got risk. Your name's still going to be on everything. You're still going to have 3,000 agents bugging you about something. Mm -hmm. You're going to have lawsuits. Yep. If you sell a business, generally the capital gains tax on the sale proceeds from a company are less than personal income tax rates. Yep. So there's a number of reasons. But the first thing you have to ask is, why are you interested in selling? I mean, that's a true statement. Well, I'm Steve, I, uh, three times my EBITDA, I could make that if I keep it for three years. Yeah, well, then don't sell it. Right. But you've got all the risk of the business, all the liability of the business. Ask yourself why. Why do you want to sell? Right. And then? And then you can call us. <laughs> we'll help you do it. Uh, there's, there's, uh, we have four full-time people in our company. This is all, this is mostly all we do. Right. And we know what that market is. There's one or two other people we can recommend that really know what they're doing in mm -hmm. terms of brokerage companies or teams. Yep. But you should, you should get your records and books in order. Okay. You should get a report from your accountant. Right. And review all your expenses and get rid of anything that really doesn't pertain to the growth of your company, all that slop that we all have, That's because right. every dollar of slop is $3 of value or $4. Sure. So get your books and records organized, all your contracts, all your independent contract, everything. Yep. Get it organized, your leases, your everything. And then, get, and, and then go through that general ledger and get rid of all that stuff that really doesn't help you do business. We just had a, a webinar with an author of a book called Profits First. And yep. if, you, if you're listening to this, um, I only, there's only two business books for real estate people. Uh, one is this Profits First. And he says, take your profits first from the business and then make the business run on the operating expense. Yep. And then he has like a chart. And I love that. And what he said is, and this goes to your point, he said, cut the fat but not the muscle. Never, right. never take out the muscle from a from yeah. a business, you know. But always the fact. Yeah, my my favorite story: a large broker in the middle of the just going into that last downturn back in 08. Big firm, 120 million in revenue. Big, yeah. Firm. yeah. Yep. We were doing the helping him go through the GL, the general right. ledger. <clears throat> we found buried in there, like. $100,000 a year for a guy to go around to all 50 offices and make sure all the light bulbs were working. Okay. Yeah. He about had a stroke. Yeah. But when you're, when you're 120 million revenues making, you know, $8 million a year, you're not looking at the little stuff. When right. we get that downturn and, and I've told clients that you ought to look as if, if you had to cut, 10% of your, your costs. We did this just a year ago at Real Trends. I told my CFO, go find 10% of our operating overhead that we're wasting. Yep. An order of priority. Yep. And we found it. Sure. Unfortunately, most of it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Heidi, anyway, uh, Heidi yeah, and I, I, I got one more question. Yeah, we, we, well, we've got a KW model. Is it stuck in the middle? 
No, because I think what we're going to see happen now, KW is a very efficient model. I mean, whether they're caps or wherever you are, you're 15 to 30,000 cap, depends on where you are. But I know a lot of my clients, uh, operating partners, are working now to lower their caps. Yep. They're not going to sit here and just let EXP and, and these other guys just pick them apart. They're, go they're going to competitively respond. Right. And, and, and Keller Williams is going to allow that. They have to. They, yeah, they're going to. This, you know, Gary says, look, if I'm, I'm not going to let them cannibalize me. I'll, we'll do it to ourselves first. <laughs> and that means, that means Keller, guy, Keller operators may have to shrink their space, their footprint. They, they got to look at that operating overhead where, where they don't spend a lot. They're really efficient generally. Yep. They really are pretty efficient, but they're, they're going to have to look at it again. I love it. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing. Anybody Good. who wants more information, just jump on my outdesk forward slash real trends and you'll get his report again. This has been fun, man. Great. I appreciate you for doing this. You guys need help with leverage. Check us out. Thanks a lot. Hey, Daniel, thank you, everybody. Take care, Daniel.